Well, good morning. So good to be back with you today, and uh, so good to have Pastor in the house. As much as he's been out, maybe he'll rededicate his life to God today. <laughs> we'll work on the baptism in the Holy Ghost, and uh, maybe we can get him to heaven. <laughs> About the same time, Pastor Jerry had surgery. Another friend of mine pastored in Griffin, Georgia, at least 20 years his junior, had the same surgery. They had to take him back in for a second surgery, and he didn't survive. So you got one tough cookie here that uh, is able to get the blessings of God and let God touch his, touch his life. So good to have the Teen Challenge ladies with us. We were sitting at the Thanksgiving table, my grandsons and my son-in-law and daughter and my wife and I were about to bless the food, and my wife said, let's do something a little different. Let's, let's just talk about something we're thankful for. Not about um, anyone here at the table, because I don't want you bragging on me, she said, but what are you thankful for? And so we went from my grandson, to my son-in-law, to my daughter, to my other grandson, and my wife, and they finally got around to me. I said, I'm thankful for the Teen Challenge board and staff. And my wife said, you're just eat up with Teen Challenge, aren't you? <laughs> Very thankful for what God's doing in these ladies' lives, and I trust that uh, they will continue to allow him to do great things. Turn with me, please, to the seventh chapter of the book of Matthew. I'd like to read with you the last two verses. Verses 28 and 29 of Matthew chapter 7. And it came to pass... When Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Father, thank you for your careful blessings upon our lives now. That we will take your word and acknowledge it as your truth spoken to our lives. And may we give you glory for all that you have said. And may we not discount anything, but take it as fact unto our lives that we might trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. We live in a day when there seems to be, in many cases, an absence of the Word of God. Some people would say that I said that so I could excuse the fact that those who are preaching sound doctrine have smaller congregations and churches. But let me remind you that crowds does not make a church. When Jesus spoke the word, 
He spoke it with authority, saying, This is the way. Walk ye in it. When he began to share the word, he didn't hold back anything from those who would listen to him. These verses close out what we know as the Sermon on the Mount. It begins with the Beatitudes. Blessed are they. Happy are they. Blessed are they who do these things. It continues to talk about you are the salt of the earth. You are the one who comes and ministers to lives. You are the one who is going to be in, in, who are going to be entrusted with the word that the word might speak volumes to others through you. St. Francis of Assisi said that everybody should be a witness and in some cases use words. I believe that the word has to back up the life. And if we live by the Word, if we walk in the Word, if we trust in the Word, if we acknowledge the Word, people will congregate to hear what thus saith the Lord. Jesus drew a crowd with the Word. And then the signs would follow that which He had spoken. The same thing can hold true in churches that are involved in what God really wants in this day and age. You go around the world and you see people who are not enamored by the spotlight or they're not looking at the fame and they're not looking for their name to be put on a marquee or they're not doing it for money. And when that comes about, signs will follow those who believe. The same thing happened in Jesus' life. His primary objective when he drew a crowd was to share the word of the Lord. Secondarily to that was the, uh, the power of God moving in the lives of individuals with healings and with miracles. Now, there were occasions when Jesus maybe would stop a funeral procession and raise a young boy up from the dead and give him back to his mama. But there was always a crowd. There were people around. There would be other times when there would be someone who would come up like the woman with the issue of blood and touch the hem of his garment and be healed and he would stop. Because virtue had gone out of him, and he would say, who touched me? Jesus always had a crowd that came following him. But today, we find folks who have a crowd, but they do not share the word of the Lord. They're not teaching what Jesus taught during his day upon the earth we need to be people of the word we need to know what the book says jesus used the word of god to counteract the misquoting of scripture by the devil in the wilderness temptation he knew the word of the lord we need to know what the word says let me encourage you to make 
2020, the year of the Word. The best thing you can start with is getting you a, a schedule of just reading the Word of the Lord through in a year. That small segment of the Word of God. When I look at this book and I see these thin pages and I see this small print, I, I get scared. But when I take it down into small segments of Scripture, it doesn't look quite so large. When I divide it by the 66 books, and if I read one book a day, I could read the Scriptures through almost five times in a year. So we need to take the Word and begin to read the Word of the Lord, acknowledging what the Word really says. But then the Scripture says, Study to show thyselves approved unto God, a workman, needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. So we've got to get beyond just reading the Word. We need to study the Word of the Lord. One of the great things about Sunday school, if I may be so bold as to talk about it, we need to sit down and systematically look at what the Scripture is saying. If you just went to Sunday school for seven years consecutively, you would find that you have had a knowledge of the Scriptures from Genesis through Revelation. Just in Assemblies of God Sunday School. We need to come to a place where we want to know the Word of the Lord. We need to digest it so that it might perform in us what it performed in those who lived during Jesus' day and after, so that we can walk in faith and believe in God, we can trust in Him, we can acknowledge Him, we can go out and do the work of the ministry as children of God. A number of years ago, well, it's been 12 or 14 or whatever, when you get old, you forget. Someone wrote a resolution for the General Council of the Assemblies of God requesting that we remove from the 16 fundamental truths as far as it being number one, the inspired Scripture. It was soundly defeated. The author said in the content of the resolution... We are putting the Word of God above God when, it put, when we put it first in our 16 fundamental truths. But if we do not read the book, then we don't know about God. We don't know about Jesus. We don't know about the fall of man. We don't know about the salvation of man. We don't know about the Holy Spirit. We don't know about the evidence of the Holy Spirit. We don't know about the ministry. We don't know about missions. We don't know about sanctification. We don't know about the second coming of the Lord, the rapture of the church. We've got to read the book. This is not a good book. This is not the, the, the best book. This is the 
only book that's going to give us a roadmap to heaven, that's going to give us a way that we can have a service manual for our lives so that we can be corrected and we can do the work of the ministry. Jesus preached the word. And people were astounded. They were astonished. They were awestruck by the word of the Lord. I want to be known as a word preacher. I want people to realize that I took the whole counsel of God. I didn't throw some of it away. I didn't cut some of it out. I didn't begin to say, well, that doesn't apply to today. This book is relevant for today, and it isn't going to change because we don't like it. It is eternal, set in the glories, that we can follow after it, and we can trust in it. Jesus taught the Word, and lived the Word. And in and through Him, the Word was enacted so that people would know the truth of the Word of God. But Jesus, as the book says, was crucified. And on the third day, rose again and ascended unto the Father. After which the Holy Ghost came, who Jesus said would teach us all things and bring all things to our remembrance whatsoever he said unto us. And so Jesus departed this earth from the Mount of Olives. He was taken away. While the disciples looked steadfast into heaven, men in white apparel stood by them and said, Why stand you here gazing into the heavens? The same Jesus whom you see go into heaven shall so come again in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. And they marched into Jerusalem, and there they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. They spoke in tongues. The power of God came upon them, and they became students of the Word of God. And they became knowledgeable of what Jesus wanted to say and do in their lives. They lived by the Old Testament scriptures, but they believed in the grace, the mercy, and the power of God. They trusted that God had changed the law to grace. And they began to walk in that fellowship and began to do the work of the ministry. Notice, the apostles hid themselves in Jerusalem. And they decided that they didn't need to get out because of fear of those who crucified Jesus. But two deacons, Stephen and Philip, decided that they would just preach. Stephen got stoned for his preaching. Now, that's not drunk, ladies. That's stoned. They were... Relevant terms, relevant terms. <laughs> and the other watched God do a marvelous work in Samaria and walked away from a great revival, not looking for accolades or applause, 
not seeking after monetary gain or the, his name placed in prominence. Philip walked away from a Holy Ghost revival and joined himself to a man sitting in a chariot. What a letdown. Here he is watching souls come to know Jesus in the droves to the point that he didn't know what to do with them, and he had to call for the apostles to come. And the power of God fell upon those Samaritans just as it had in the, on the day of Pentecost. And Philip walked away. So he joined himself to this, himself to this Ethiopian eunuch sitting in a chariot. And the man is reading from Isaiah. And he asked for interpretation. And Philip gave it. And somewhere along the line, water baptism came up in the discussion. And the eunuch said, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip baptized him in water. And all at once, he was miraculously transported into another city. Well, that's not exciting you like it excites me. I've taken a lot of airplanes ride. This was a plane air ride. Just the Word of God. Letting the Word penetrate our hearts. Letting the Word speak to us. I was having a staff meeting the other day and I said to our staff, please deflect the comments, the compliments that you're going to get. Or you're going to get the big head and you won't be worth anything. I would rather you tell me, man, you hit me right between the eyes with the word than to tell me you enjoyed the message. I didn't come for you to enjoy what I have to say. I came to teach you something that will make you live and sustain you spiritually in this life in which we live. We need to change. You say, boy, our pastor's a great teacher. Only if you change. I'm sure Dr. K is a, is a tremendous professor and he does well, but if what he says doesn't penetrate those students' minds and it come out, comes out through their hands as they do their work, they haven't learned. Teaching is the conveyance of knowledge to create behavioral change. And if there is no behavioral change, you haven't learned. So you got to put into practice what somebody says if they're trying to teach you or it's going to go to no avail. So I'm thankful that I have those in the past who say, man, you, you taught me, you, 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 you gave me something. My phone rang two weeks ago. It was a former deacon living in Huntsville. 
His wife was on the other end of the phone, and she has muscular sclerosis and now confined to a wheelchair. Her youngest son, an alcoholic, needed help. What if they had not heard that there is a solution to their problems and it's not through self-medication or a substitute drug, but it's by spiritual change brought about by the word of God through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ as we share that. And so this past Monday, the young man came into the Lincoln Center and I was in my office at the admin office. And I walked over to the center and saw the young man who needed help. I dedicated him to God. I taught him when he was young. But they had moved the year before I left that church in Selma. And he was still a young man. His brother became a marksman and taught for the military till his retirement. I dedicated his brother's baby because I dedicated his brother. Now that makes you old when you're dedicating grandchildren. Very old. And so I looked at the dad, one of the finest men I've ever met in my life, one of the greatest members I ever had an opportunity to serve as pastor. And tears came into his eyes as he gave me a big old, he's a big old guy, gave me a big old bear hug and thanked me for being there. That is the reward of sharing the word of the Lord and having a lot of people reject it, but somebody grab hold of it. People fall by the wayside because the word gets into the stony ground or into the weeds or into the roadway, but that which falls on the fallow ground is going to rise up and give forth fruit. And that's because of the word of God. We trust in the word of the Lord. And so we find in the second chapter of the book of Acts, and they continued still steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Now we see the apostles have learned it. They have acknowledged it. They are living it. They're trusting it. They're preaching it. And those who are coming after them are going steadfast in the apostles' doctrine. Now as a guest, let me just tell you, what your pastor needs to hear about you is you are living out what he's teaching from the word of the Lord as you are following the doctrine he is espousing and saying to you, this is the way, walk ye in it. Those who teach you need to understand and acknowledge that they have invested in something in you that will make you fruitful and do the work of the ministry. But look at the doctrine. We have salvation by the blood. No other means. 
than through Jesus Christ are we saved. Not through membership, not through baptism, not even through scriptural, scripture memorization or giving of money. Had a young man. He was young then, so was I. He was a year younger. The difference was he had a million dollars, and I didn't have one dollar. And all his life, he had gotten everything he got through hook and crook or purchase. If he couldn't treat you fairly, he cheated you to get what you had. He was known in the community for his lifestyle, which was wicked, and everybody was afraid of him. So I took him under my wing. I've already told you in times past that my philosophy of ministry is to find the meanest man in town, win him to God, and nobody else will give you any trouble. And so it was my objective to get him in, and I got him into church. But then he couldn't buy the things that was being preached. He couldn't purchase. He couldn't steal. He couldn't cheat to get what he wanted. So he began to fight against doctrine that was being preached and fight against the things that were going on in the, in the church until finally he walked away saying to another man, let me get a few drinks under my belt and I'll blow him away with a 357 Magnum. And for three years, I lived under that threat and then I moved out of that city into another. 28 years later, I get a phone, I get a, I get a friend request through Facebook. So I make him my friend. <laughs> wow, what a friend. I got a lot of those friends on Facebook, by the way. <laughs> when you give me a time of day, you got them too. And he private messaged me. I was wrong. I want to meet you and apologize and hug your neck and tell you I was wrong. And I messaged back, I'll be in your city tomorrow to take you to lunch. It wasn't because of me, it was because it was the word that made him mad. And it was the word that made him see his error. It took 28 years, but still, it finally happened because the word penetrated his old hard heart. We need to walk steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Salvation by the blood. 
Secondly, we need to walk in the Holy Spirit baptism, being led by the Spirit and not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. The flesh will destroy you. You will die in sin if you don't understand that the Spirit of God wants to come to counteract what's happening in your life that draws you away from God. And then we need to believe again in divine healing. Pastor and I were blessed to know the Wesson family, the pastor of the Church of God in, in Bayview. I went to school with Ruth. He probably went to school with others in the family. Had a house full. One became a pharmacist, PD. And he was my pharmacist in Sylacauga. And his mother came and, and worked the cash register for him. You can't trust your mama, you can't trust nobody. They were pastoring in Colburg or Republic, one of the two. And Sister Wesson got up one, one Sunday night and said, John L. Lewis, the union leader, and health insurance is killing divine healing in the church of God. She told me she said that. And I said, How, what a truth. What a truth. It's easier to pay deductibles than to pray. It's easier for us to find other methods but means, but God still heals. The miracle that took place after the Holy Spirit baptism was the healing at the man at the gate of the temple of lameness. And he went running and leaping and praising the Lord. That'll draw a crowd. That'll cause people to come and see. If we get the house on fire on the inside, people will come to watch it burn. Some people were praying in India. They were in their church building. When a fireball came down from heaven and lit on top of the, landed on top of the church, everybody in the neighborhood came to watch it burn. But just as quickly as the fire fell, it went back up once they were all there to hear the word of the Lord. And those who were praying never knew the fire had come or went until they were told. Because they were consumed by the Lord in his presence, but they were able to share the word of the Lord. We need to come again to believing and the miraculous. But there's another problem the church has today. In believing and continuing in the apostles' doctrine, we don't think regularly that this could be the last day 
that we're on earth. The rapture. In my estimation and study of Scripture is going to come before the tribulation. Because the church is not mentioned past the fourth chapter of Revelation. But we don't preach that Jesus' coming is imminent. That means at any moment. But it is. It happened before we get through with this service. And what a glorious home going that would be. The dead in Christ shall rise first. We who are alive and remain shall be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. We, do, we forget about that. But what a great reunion day that's going to be on the other side. When we all stand around God's throne giving praise and honor and glory unto him. Continue in the Apostles' Doctrine. But let's fast forward before you get bored even more. And look at Paul as he says to his son in the faith, Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning with verse number 1, preach the word. There will come people who will seek out teachers who will tickle their ears, who will coat water down and sugarcoat the word of the Lord. I don't need a pep talk. I need to be challenged to believe in the word of God. I don't need someone to give me a motivational speech. I need somebody to tell me that God has a plan for my life. He has a future for me. He has what I need right now, and he will get me to the other side. But today, today, oftentimes, and not here, not, not here, churches are void of the Word of God. The Assemblies of God, in its early stages, developed this little shield that says all the gospel, meaning we believe it from the first page to the last, cover to cover but that little shield has almost has almost vanished I want us to come back to a sound footing I want us to come back to a place where we believe that the Word is the source of life. I want us to get back to the place where we believe that if we will, if we will believe the Word, trust the Word, and share the Word, the Word will complete what it set out to do in teaching and ministering to us and others. They continued in the Apostles' Doctrine steadfast in the apostles' doctrine. In the community where Pastor and I were raised, 
there was a house right behind me, a lady that, that uh, lived in that house as a young girl at that time, visited here one Sunday when I was preaching. The house caught a fire. There was a pistol, why in the world, I, I, I don't know. There was a pistol on the Bible, on a coffee table, in the living room. And everything in the living room was consumed but the Bible and the pistol. I guess that was their sword and this is the sword. <laughs> And everybody in the community was astonished that everything could be consumed but the Bible and the pistol. The Word needs to be our source of sustenance so that we can live in faith and walk in God. Let me ask you a personal question, make you mad or glad. When was the last time, when was the last time you picked it up, opened it up, and read more than a few verses? And when was the last time there was something prompted in your spirit about the Word of God and you went and got the book and a commentary or a concordance and laid them out and studied on that thought. I'm not talking about read. I'm talking about studied on that thought. We preachers sometimes are guilty of only studying when we're trying to get a message together to come and yell at you. But what a shame. What a shame. There is no excuse any longer. I don't even look at a concordance anymore. You know what I do? I go over here in Word and I'm typing out my message. And I flip back over to Google or whatever those others are. And I type in a portion of Scripture from memory. And that secular, worldly search engine throws that verse and others up on the screen. And I never have to go look at that little old Strong's Concordance type anymore that I can't bear, I can hardly read anymore to see where the scripture is. I don't have to search down book by book to find that. It, it gives it to me. We have never had it easier to find what the book says. So let's use it. Let's acknowledge it. 
And let's let the word be used in us to reach out to others and tell them of the goodness of God. Let me finally ask one more question. And this isn't my last finally, but let me ask you a final question. When was the last time you memorized a scripture? These ladies are smiling. <laughs> it's mandatory. <laughs> it is mandatory. But some of you aren't smiling. And this is going to be one of those days where you say, I didn't like your message, but that's okay. I love you. And the only way we're going to get to heaven is living by the book. A road map and a service manual. It's an instruction of how to put us together. So that we can be pleasing to God. Yes. Father in Jesus name. Let your words speak to us. Speak volumes to us. Let us know that your word is real. It's sharper than a two edged sword. It cuts going in and coming out. But God it's your truth. It brings us into. Sanctification and holiness. It brings us into dedication and commitment. It brings us into a lifestyle that's pleasing to you and convicting to others. May we look to you in Jesus' name. Instead of just a an altar call. Let me just ask you to commit today to open the book. If you trust me to tell you all the truth, you're wrong. I'm not going to lie to you, but I can't share all this book. If you trust your pastor to, 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 to lead you in every truth of the word, he can't do it. Only by your study of the word and prompted by the Spirit will this word come alive in you. So if you're going to be more intentional and searching the word, I'd like for you just to stand right in place where you are. And I want you just to ask God to make this word a light unto your feet, a lamp unto your pathway. Father, in Jesus' name, as these commit their lives 
to, to, to a study, to at least reading. And then when a verse jumps out, study. Looking at it as a text, searching it in its context. Finding it in other places of, of the book and making it come alive in their hearts and their lives. For Jesus spoke the word with authority. The disciples spoke the word with authority and the people followed steadfastly in their doctrine. And now, Lord, we want to do the same. Do the same. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.